All right, welcome back. Um, we owe you all an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that technology failed us and we're not sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, this is episode 11, uh, I, I think. We, the, the long and short of it really is that Chris and I sat down probably a month and a half ago at this point, And we looked to record episode 11. And when we went to do that, we were only recording on my phone, and we ran into an issue where the episode didn't save. So in the same night, we did it again, and that didn't save. <laughs> and so we just stopped, and we also got busy with different things. So yeah. that's the long and short of it. Um, but we're back bringing the, the premium content you all deserve. Yeah, man, that, that night was uh, frustrating. It was we we were here for like two hours, and it was like, a Sunday night. Like we had already like long run that morning. Like I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure, like yeah, it was like work so. the next day, and we were just like, well, cool, we accomplished nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, fortunately, we're back. Finally, we're able to make some time, and uh, yeah, why don't we just jump into it? Channeling my inner Philip DeFranco. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we could talk about a little bit. About our training, you know, yeah. what's going on, some massive upsets uh, from the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And big upsets. Big upsets. Um, and, yeah, any racing we have coming up, all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You want to start? I can start. Okay. Um, yeah, so we could save the, uh, the exciting thing that happened yesterday for, for, like, after we each talk about our individual stuff. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm currently gearing up for... I technically had my first race, if you can, even can call it that, um, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but More like a workout. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, really, I have my first race of this training block in a week. Next Sunday, PDR, Philadelphia Distance Run Half Marathon. And, yeah, it'll be cool. I'm in the elite field, which is exciting. I mean, nothing really... It's not going to change anything from like really last year to this year. I'm still in like the top group, but it'll be nice to be able to like start in that top corral. Yeah. So you probably have access to bathrooms and yeah. stuff beforehand, and I can like just like less stress. Right. Which like we got at Rothman last year, which yeah. was great. It that was, was awesome. It was insane. Yeah. Um, and I'm allowed to put like hydration out and stuff. Oh. I haven't decided if I'm going to because like I've never. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still super new with the half marathon, so, like, I've never taken more than just, like, a sip of water right. during it. So I might put out, like, a bottle of, like, Martin or something. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I have that coming up. I'm excited for that. Training has been going pretty well, but I finally hit a decent amount of quality this week, which um, is making me a little bit more confident that I can actually handle, you know, a half marathon. Um, so I'm optimistic, definitely excited about getting back into racing it's been i mean i haven't raced since late may so for me like three plus months that's a long time for me yeah um so i'm looking forward to getting back and then after that i have a five miler the following weekend which i won last year which i mean we both yeah. ran which is a fun race to do and then after that kind of like a long gap until november when i have some mm -hmm. pretty big races so yeah, I'm just taking it day by day, but definitely excited to be getting back into running. Had a good workout this morning, doubling back from yesterday. So, yeah, mm -hmm. feeling you good. You had uh, some pretty high mileage weeks. 
at the end of the summer, right? Yeah, I had six weeks where I'd averaged like 94, I think, between the yeah. six weeks, which is the most I've ever strung together by like, I don't know, six or seven miles per week on average over that training block. So it was good. It definitely was really tough just with the heat and everything. But yeah. um, I mean, you make do. Yeah. Um, How about so, you? So, yeah, my training's been interesting. <laughs> um, so I got injured. It's probably like six weeks ago now. It was like pretty that. much as soon as I started like really training. Yeah. 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 So um, I, I had been injured and then I was getting better and then I got injured again. Um, and so pretty much I, I got a bone bruise on my knee. I'm pretty sure that's what the issue was. And it, I banged my knee on a wall and then I was out for pretty much like four weeks. Um, but during that time I started biking a lot, um, started riding my bike outside, which mm -hmm. is infinitely more enjoyable than riding on a trainer. Yes. Um, 100%. Yeah, so did some big rides. There, there were a few points during that where I considered transitioning to cycling. I was just like, man, maybe I could be good at this. Like, I enjoy it. Um, I biked from, like, Lancaster to Allentown. That, that was a big one. Um, so I, I got in, like, some pretty good volume weeks. I think I hit 17 hours twice, um, which is a lot for me. I, I find that that like 20 hour number is something that like I've always like tried to hit. And I just like can't, I can't get to it. Um, it's like not joking around at that point. Like you're pretty yeah. much like if you have anything else going on, which you do with yeah. work and other things, you're like incessantly working out pretty much. Yeah. Like it's work, it's workout, work, workout, and then just like cycling through like literally like every day for a long time yeah it's like absurd th three hours a day yeah. of training pretty much <laughs> and then like a 40 hour work week on top of that it's just it's hard and then like you're tired one day so you take it easy and then it's just gone yeah like you, you can't you can't, you can't, you can't like yeah anyway um and yeah and then i've also been coaching at a high school um local to here they actually i, I was gonna t i'll mention this here but they found my social media the other day mm. so that's that's a shame um, <laughs> they they found my youtube channel too i, I, I tried fine uh, i tried to hide it though uh not not too well but um <laughs> so yeah there, i mean there's nothing like bad on there it's just yeah. like the kids all pull out their phones at practice and they're watching like different vlogs or whatever like allergies are killing me <laughs> um but yeah anyway so training injury sort of just went away like how a bone bruise does like how any other bruise would go away it just like got better and then trained specifically for that race that we had yesterday um and it did a I think it was like four or five tempo runs and then a 3k time trial um so yeah i was it, it was a very risky um build up to that race i had a little over two weeks i think it was like two and a half weeks of like mm -hmm. actually running yeah. um but 
Yeah, it went well. Yeah, it's good. Uh, the I, I feel like I was talking to Liam about this, actually. I know, because uh, I've been biking more than I typically do. Mm-hmm. Um, not super frequently, but just more than before. Yeah. And I was talking to him about it because he's doing most of his training via the bike for the time being. And he was like, yeah, like, I think I'll be able to get fast, but, like, I'm not sure if I'll be able to get actually good or, like, you know, be able to run a decent 5K maybe off of that. And I was like, the biggest thing is definitely just, like, the neuromuscular, like, nature of running that you lose when you start cycling a ton. If you're only really cycling, you can go and hop on, uh, go to run, and you might be able to go really far. Mm -hmm. But, like, trying to run, like, a five-minute mile is like, whoa, yeah, that was actually really hard. Like you need to build that. I mean, the neuromuscular, like that memory doesn't go away. You just need to like kind of like mm-hmm. unearth it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There were like a few things that I found when like I was coming back. Um, one was like it's like weird because in biking you like sort of have breaks when you coast or like you're going downhill. Mm-hmm. Like you're not always that. So like having that like constant like effort in running is like mentally a little weird um the other thing is definitely like my running economy was just like garbage um my quads were like sore all the time i actually i didn't bike at all this week leading up to it because i just find that it like really makes my quads sore and then sort of lose some of that running economy um, and then also like the impact from the ground, it's just like, sure. You have to like build that up again. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I, I was in like very good shape to like train quickly. Yeah. To, you had like the aerobic base yeah. that you needed. Yeah. Like probably like one of the best aerobic bases I've ever had really. Um, and then yeah, just did a few tempos. Um, the first ones were really hard. And then it just, like, got easy all of a sudden. And, yeah, like, I I could, like, tell immediately when, like, my form started coming back. And then, like, really, like, this week, I was just like, yeah, I can... Like, I can sprint all out and, like, it feels natural now. Right. I feel like that's, like, such a big indicator of, like, mm-hmm. running economy. If you sprint, you feel, like, all over the place and just, like, not efficient then you're probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's good. Definitely, I feel like anytime you do something like that, it's a pretty, um, like, valuable experience to mm-hmm. understand, like, what's important in running. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, the rowing, like, you can, like, figure out, like, <clears throat> like, the true necessities of the, yes like, training program and, like, what can sort of be, like, modified. Yeah. Think yeah, it's very helpful, especially like in coaching now. Like, oh yeah, we, we have like a girl who has shin splints, and it's like, well, like you can bike like most of the time, and then we'll we'll figure something out for your running. But like, we can alternate things, and it doesn't have to be like a very strict like I don't know like high school program where you run like forty miles a week. That's the only option we do intervals. And yeah, true. It's that individualized training. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yesterday, we can talk about that for a yes. few minutes. Yeah, yeah Yesterday cool. was um, iconic, to say the least, mm-hmm. and um, earth-shattering. 
historic. In, yeah, some historic. might say earth shattering. Some might say historic. Um, I would say you know we just we got the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know some some didn't believe in us. Many many, many didn't. didn't believe in us. Yeah, I think um, um, there there were talks. I think on the team that. They had like a ninety percent chance of winning. Yeah, which is just I mean, and they, they were such like a miscalculation. To, they're trying to be realistic about that. Yeah, unbelievable. Like so embarrassing for them in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it really is. Um, you should have put some money on the race. Yeah, that. honestly, it would have been quickest quickest uh, paycheck I ever received. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we Chris and I, as well as a few other. Uh, brave souls vanquished the current e-town team men's mm-hmm. team in uh the alumni meet which is the first time it's ever the alumni have ever won yeah we went one two three uh with the help of christian schaff um who graduated last year and yeah you know it was it was beautiful um tears came to my eyes as i crossed the line and saw chris and christian coming through um adam herringer andrew pizzeruso coming through later yeah. It was just team effort, and you know, like Chris said, many people, most people didn't think we could pull it off, but you know, we showed them wrong. We sh- we proved them wrong. Yeah, I think the final score was like twenty five to thirty two, mm-hmm. and that is a, a sound defeat. Yeah, it was dual meet. It was a it was very clear out there on the course who oh, yeah. who the dominant team was. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just sort of tell with the body language and everything oh, before yeah. the race as well. Right, like who were the actual competitors who was there just to, you know, be there and put on a uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost ran shirtless, but <laughs> I was actually going to. <laughs> I was going to pin the bib to my shorts and just run shirtless. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were going to pin the bib to your chest. <laughs> because that... <laughs> That would terrify. Blood me. just pouring. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was super fun. The alumni meets always a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I can. I'm gonna just try to like win it until I'm like 35 or something. <laughs> it's like 15 titles. Yeah. Um, how many is that? Is that four? I won a junior year, senior year. Yeah, four. Yeah. So, yeah, four-time alumni meet champion. Don't probably has been done before. Maybe I don't know. But either way, um, yeah, history was made yesterday, so. Yeah, it was, um, it was an exciting race. Um, I think there, there, there might have been a few tactical errors in the training program. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> like not you doing know, a workout beforehand? Is, is like, that one that comes um, to mind? No, no, I was actually going to say, I think the workout on Wednesday might have been a little too tough. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a long workout. It was, the team did. It, it was, was like, what, tempo and, or progression and then some yeah. mile repeats? Yeah, it was like five mile tempo and then four times a mile. I think... Um, yeah, that's solid. I think their iron levels might have dropped a little bit from that one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, I was, I was pretty confident after I saw that workout. Mm-hmm. I think it seemed a little bit hard for them. Yeah. Um, knowing knowing who they are, yeah, like, yeah. can't really handle it, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I was pretty happy when I saw that workout. Um, yeah, me too. And, you know, w- we got out there. There, there. I was questioning, like, what would happen in the beginning mm-hmm. of the race. but then, I was uh, too. You know. Yeah, when it went out, when it got out a little slow on the slower side is when I was like, okay, this will be fun. You know, and I was like, I was back a little bit from you I, guys. I thought so. I was like... 
I don't, I don't want to say 10 seconds back. Maybe, like, no, six seconds. Yeah. Um, at, like, the mile and everything. But, yeah. It was, um, it was a good race. Uh, yeah. Ended up beating my brother, Daniel. If, uh, you know of him. Uh, Al kicked him. Yeah. Al kicked him. So. And Daniel, Daniel's a 1,500-meter runner. Is that he correct? He is. He is. He, he likes to say he's a 1,500-meter runner. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're like a 10K marathon yeah, specialist yeah, at this point. Much. So, um, yeah. So um, I did the uh, Mo Farah head turn thing like eight times. Yes. It, it was on purpose. It, yeah. I wasn't like concerned oh. where he was. I just wanted, yeah. just wanted to know. Right. Uh, just wanted him to know that you just, were like, yeah, yeah just I, I know you're behind me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, but yeah, it was a fun race and good environment. Good to be back with the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh this was the first year of the dynasty that we're gonna going to establish. Um I mean, you Christian and I Yeah we'll just go one, two, three for the next like decade. I really don't see how we can lose next year. Yeah. Like we have the hot hand now. Yeah. Like they know we, they've been beaten. Yeah, we'll we'll get Nick next year too. Yes, Liam um, Liam will be back. Liam hopefully will be back. full force. I mean yeah. we could go one through five. I, I I want, want a that. Perfect I want a perfect. Yeah. I want a perfect score. Okay, so we just established that next year we're looking for that that perfect score. So. I I guess a perfect score is um, one through seven. Yeah, I I was gonna say I do want that one through seven because I it's not enough that like our score is the lowest it can be. I want their There's scores no. to be the highest it can be. Yeah, true. That's um, that's really the perfect spread. Yeah. yeah, and you know I feel like uh, Falk kind of just like like. Of course, he has the team now and everything, and he wants them to win. But it's not like he loses in this case because no, it's no. just like, it's oh, a, yeah, he's, I coached all those guys anyway. Yeah. So so he's actually more proud of us, current yeah. team, just, you know, for whoever's listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> uh, he's thinking about transitioning to coaching some pro athletes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, a sub-elite, sub-elite group. Um, but, yeah, good times. Um, looking for that perfect score next year. So be on the lookout for that. Um, in other news, I guess we can pivot a little bit. Um, kind of want to, well, we could spend a few minutes talking about um, that book that you've yeah. been reading. Yeah, so I've been uh, reading this book. It's called uh, The Secret Race, and it's by Tyler Hamilton. And I started reading it when I, I was biking a lot. Um, but Tyler Hamilton, uh, for those of you do- who don't know, he's a U.S. cyclist. Um, I think he he was really big probably between like 1995 and 2004. Um, I could get the, be getting those years mixed up, but uh, he rode on the U.S. postal team with Lance. Um, and Goated. Yeah, so... He uh, he talks a lot about uh, it's pretty much just uh, the secret races, just like it. it's about doping, um, and like how the U.S. Postal Team did it, uh, how he like got sucked into it, um, and like the reason why he started doping, um, and all of that stuff. Um, I thought it was a really interesting book um, to like hear all of like the specific details. Um, with like how they would get away with it and everything and like it it did really like help me understand like why uh someone would do that because like he spends like I don't know however many years of his life trying to be like the best cyclist 
he can be. He's one of the top cyclists in the world. And then, like, Ipo starts, like, coming into, like, mainstream, like, right then. And he just watches, like, everyone that, like, he used to compete with just get, like... Just level up. Yeah. And he, like, he couldn't compete with them. And he would see his teammates, actually, like, get these white bags that had, like, um, the, the drug in them. And... Like, it was very, like, strange on the team. Like, there were, like, riders who got it and riders who didn't. Hmm. It wasn't just, like, the whole team. Weird. Um, yeah, so he, like, he would see the riders who got it, and he'd just be like, I could be better, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it, the way he talks about it, it seems like pretty much, like, everyone was doing it um, in the peloton, uh, during the Tour de France, uh, he said there were a few cases where, um, like, it, it wasn't as many people, um, and, like, th- there were definitely some riders who, who weren't doping, but, you know, sure. you don't really, you don't really see them. Um, what I thought was interesting is, like, throughout the book, like, in the beginning, it, like, makes sense, and then his, like, to keep building on top and on top and then they develop new tests mm-hmm. and then you have to hide things even more and you just like he's like donating blood for like blood bags um when like they come out with a test for EPO and he has to like fly to Spain like a few times like every three months to like give this blood because the doctor there is and it just like becomes like the biggest like mess ever and then like it, it just, like, it turned into, like, this, like, super sad story towards the end because you could tell, like, he said he was, like, depressed. Just um, felt, like, trapped, probably. Yeah. Said he had, like, pretty much a borderline eating disorder. Um, I think most people would say he had an eating disorder. He says borderline. Um, but, yeah, he would say, like, it felt good when he would sit down in, like, a wooden chair and it hurt because, like, his bones were, like that then and that like if you've ever seen the cyclist like uh jerseys yes he said it would feel good when like the arm sleeves would start flapping in the wind oh my god yeah like that's crazy like he and he said he had like the smallest like jersey you could get and like those things are like extremely tight they're yeah it's meant to be skin tight yeah it's it's not like a compression material but like it's it's form fitting yeah it's very form fitting yeah um and so yeah like it would just he said it would flap in the wind and that's how he knew he was getting to his race weight what's his name again tyler hamilton that's insane though Mm -hmm. um yeah and just like the fallout with everything afterwards it just like it seemed like it ruined his life um and just like he said he he was depressed for a while as well i don't know it just um it was a very good book um i wasn't expecting it to take the turn that it would be like so sad Mm -hmm. towards the end like i I really felt like bad for him um towards the end but anyway yeah if uh if you get a chance i think it's a really good book um called the secret race again yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Um, at the very least, I seem I feel like it's it's important to talk about that kind of stuff in sport mm-hmm. when people know it's happening because like 
yeah. speaking truth to power, which is kind of what that is, I guess, it's not doing anything wrong. Like, yeah. you're speaking out against the thing most people know is happening anyway, mm-hmm. but you're just shedding light on it. Yeah. And also communicating that in most cases, it's probably like not a net positive. Yeah. That it's like, just like everything else like that. In the short term, it might get you to where you want to be, yeah. achieve your goals, win races. But like long term, it could potentially be detrimental to your overall health, um, yeah. your lifestyle, mm-hmm. just like the anxiety that would come. Like I would, I can't even imagine being in that situation because it would eat at my conscience so bad yeah. that like I would ultimately probably I feel like I would race worse you know what I mean because mm-hmm. like I would just constantly be like I like am I gonna get am I gonna test positive like yeah also like I'm a fraud like how does that not I don't know yeah like imagine like it seemed like they just like added all of this like extra complexity to the sport and it just like it felt so wrong like imagine like being in a race and then like crossing the finish line and your first thought is like one, I have to go get, like, the drugs from this random guy in the crowd that's supposed to give them to me. I have to make it look inconspicuous. And also, if they test me, like, am I going to test positive? Like, probably not, but did they develop a new test? I don't know. Um, yeah, he also talks a lot about Lance and their <laughs> relationship. And, man, like, I used to kind of think, I, I used to kind of put Lance in this, um, boat of like everyone else was doing it he did it too like okay like i i get it but then i found out that um in the book like he he would sort of get like mad at other people when they just when they beat him and apparently he i think he reported tyler hamilton to i think it's a uci Mm -hmm. um the cycling like drug head of the sport and said like reported him and was like yeah he he's dirty like he's cheating um even though like lance is cheating too that's insane yeah i mean like it's just like i don't know like if you guys all want to cheat it's like okay like i get that it's a collusion at that point but yeah like you're all in it together mm -hmm. but like and then, like, Lance reports him, and Tyler gets called into, like, the president's office mm-hmm. and everything. Um, <clears throat> and they said, like, his blood samples came back, like, a little strange, and that they would be keeping a close eye on him. Mm-hmm. We, that, like, made me, like, very sad for the sport. Well, true, because, like, at that just point, like, it's like, something's clearly going on, but we're just going to, like, kind of let it slide because it wasn't, like, a glaring red flag, I guess. Yeah. Well, like, just, like, that Lance had, like, so much... Like, he had so much control over, well, like, yeah. the UCI. He had control over, like, the testing. Like, he he tested positive once and, like, donated money to the lab. And they, like, just made it go away. Yeah, um, yeah I think the one thing to know about um, Lance and guys like that, and this is speaking from just, like... I'm not an expert on Lance or anybody, but like just like the way I think about it is guys like that will do anything to win. And in a lot of ways, that's great because they're ultimate competitors, ferocious, and they will destroy themselves in training and on race day to come out on top. Yeah. And that is fantastic. 
and that is what being a fierce competitor is all about. But when you're a super high, like Machiavelli person, like you're willing to do anything to win. And that all of a sudden becomes like beyond training that Mm -hmm. spreads beyond training. And as soon as that happens is when guys like Lance um, in every sport become potentially like problematic. Yeah. As opposed to just like, oh, they're just a hero that like trains really hard and is an animal. Like then it's like, oh, well, he's kind of undermining the sport at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and, like, I don't know, yeah, he he just, like, obviously, like, took it too far. And, like, you can tell from, like, his personality, like, he wants to win. That's, like, the only thing that matters to him. Yeah. I think there's, like, a line in a movie or book, and someone asks him, like, one of the doctors asks him, like, what's the most important thing to you? And he's, like, winning. Then something like, do you love winning? Yes. He's, like... Do you love your mom? Yes. Do you love your mom more than you love winning? He's like, no. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the dude. He he loves winning more than he loves his mom. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that Lance Armstrong mindset right there. Yeah. Um, so if you if you want to check out that book again, it's called The Secret Race by. Tyler Hamilton. Yeah. And if you haven't already, which I feel like pretty much everyone has at this point, but if you haven't seen it, Icarus on Netflix is also a very great film um, Mm -hmm. about more or less like just the procedures of doping and Mm -hmm. like the behind the scenes of that. So that's also a really great and kind of thrilling documentary about all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That one's really good too. Also, sorry. Mm -hmm. One more thing about the book. Tyler Hamilton is, like, an absolutely insane monster when it comes to handling pain. In this one Tour de France, in the first day, he was, like, in the best shape he ever was. In the first day, there was a crash, and he, like, I think he, like, his bike flipped over, and he, like, landed hard on his back. Broke his collarbone. Or shoulder? Something right up there. Anyway. The dude goes to, like, three different doctors. They all tell him, like, no, like, you can't ride. You cannot ride. Yeah. And he's just like, no, you know what? Like, I'm going to ride. And so he rides with, like, a broken collarbone. Oh, my God. And just, like, he said that he couldn't even, like, stand up on the pedals because the pain was so intense. So, like, they're climbing up a hill and everyone else is, like, standing up and he's... He just has to sit. He said, like, going over, like, the tiniest bit of, like, gravel, like, sent... He he described it as, like, green lightning throughout his body. Oh. It was just, like... And the dude rode, like, hundreds of miles during the Tour de France with this broken collarbone. At some point, something happened to his back then, too. I mean, he was probably compensating in all kinds of ways. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I think he he said he grinded his teeth so much that it cost him like tens of thousands of dollars in like dental surgery. I I mean that's a natural thing to do. Yeah, when yeah. you're in that much pain. That's absurd, dude. Yeah, but that dude is like an absolute beast. <laughs> Grind, like, grinding he scares your, me. I mean, yeah, dude, grinding your teeth to the point to where mm-hmm. you need surgery or just work on them like that is that's yeah that's disturbing so all right 
wow. I'm done with the book. I'm done with the book. Um, no, that, that was that's cool. Um, I think like the final thing we could talk about for a few minutes is um, I I had mentioned I just started reading uh, Let Your Mind Run by Dina Castor, and I'd seen I think I I could be wrong, but I thought I bought this book for one of my sisters at one point, okay. and um, but I never read it myself, and. I was lent the book, and so I decided to read it. Um, and I only got it like a week or so ago, but I'm like a third of the way through. And I really like it, just the way it's structured, but also like the lessons she pulls from it. It's nothing even so far that's really profound, mm-hmm. which I feel like is kind of overrated. Like not everything you read has to be, you know, totally novel. And like mm-hmm. you never thought of it that way before. But it's kind of illuminating and makes me feel fortunate that her story like throughout college and high school was that she just like thought of running through like a lens of talent, which Mm -hmm. I feel like is really easy. And it gave me perspective because like that was never how we approached the sport. Yeah. And like I was talented. Like, I mean, we're all talented clearly like to get to like where we are. Yeah. But like even running like fairly well as a sophomore, like right away, I never really thought of that. Like, that I was like super talented and that running was talent. I always associated with like the work. Yeah. And for whatever reason, just like the program I was in, my coach, I'm sure played a huge part in that and why my relationship with running was like that and is like that. And then E-Town definitely like reinforced that. But she kind of communicates that like, it was always just like, she just ran, she just ran hard and she liked to compete and she was just insanely good. Yeah. And she would, kind of practice in high school but like she wouldn't train like crazy hard but she was still one of the best in the nation yeah and so it was like just talent for her like she just thought she had to go and run hard on race day and like that was it oh okay so then when she got to college and was training a ton um she got a lot better but then she became like a little bit anxious because she was like tired all the time and like dealing with all this stuff and she didn't have this even when she was training hard she still didn't associate running with like the training she still thought it just meant like the result was how talented you were. Whoever came in front of her in a race was because they were more talented. Oh, okay. And they so, were, like, just, like, completely factoring the work out of the equation. That's, like it, yeah, the that's way. how she communicates it, wow. like, in the book. Like, she literally thought of running as, like, a talent v. talent, like, sport. Which, like, sure, to a degree it is, yeah. like anything else. But I found that really interesting. And then she talks about um, graduating college. I don't think she ever won an NCAA title. Um, but she was on Arkansas's team and they were like, you know, podium team in cross country a few years and stuff, but she didn't even run for like an entire year of college. Like she just took off like, Oh wow. Just for an entire year. Didn't run Mm -hmm. at all. Um, so she left college kind of being like, man, like I kind of want to keep running, but I don't, I don't have any real relationship with the sport. Like I haven't, like she didn't learn a lot about running. Yeah. She still like didn't have like a full relationship with running and understand it for what it is which is crazy. And so she actually got in touch with Joe Vihill, like mm-hmm. that coach, the old coach of Adam State. And he was training a bunch of men at the time. That was it. And she got in touch with him, really liked his, like, initial, their initial conversation. So she moved out to Colorado and, like, trained okay. under him. And she talks, the, the few chapters I've read in, in the last day or so have been about how she started learning more and more about, like, the philosophy of running and, like, how training ties into performance and how talent is just a proportion of the whole picture. 
Okay. And how as she learned that, that and that reinforced more and more throughout her training, she became like more of like a healthy and like holistic runner. Mm-hmm. And I'm still getting to the point where she's like not fully like a pro runner yet. So like okay. I haven't like seen, you know, seen her whole story yet. But I found it really refreshing because like we all go through that to a point. Like not really understanding the full picture of running and why you're mm-hmm. why you're doing it. And then all of a sudden, either in hindsight or it clicks in the moment and you realize like, wow, this entire piece of the puzzle I was missing previously, now I see it and everything is suddenly much more clear. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like such a great feeling that like watching her journey through it is like kind of like really nice to like follow along with. Yeah. If that so, makes sense. Yeah, like... Um like when we're training and everything like you have like your mindset on like okay i need to do this workout because it's going to make me better and everything and you sort of forget like about the like mental side yep or something of that and then you like remember to bring it back in yes or you like first realize it um yeah i think i i sort of see that a lot on like the high school team um Mm -hmm. just because i mean like some of them are running for their first time ever and like natural yeah it's like they'll like realize something in training like helps them in a race and then it's like oh wow like that makes sense there's now. a reason that's, that i do that's that that's why we're doing it <laughs> yeah um. yeah I, I feel like no totally that's and that's how it always is like i remember doing certain workouts in high school that i could understand if i thought really hard about it mm-hmm. how it might help me but it's not intuitive yet at least not for most people yeah and I was fortunate that, like, by the time I left high school, I did understand a lot about, like, why training, certain pieces of training were important. I was able to touch a lot of that. But it definitely takes time for that to, like, really solidify. Mm-hmm. And the thing that, like, um, Castor points out is that, like, uh, Joe Hill asks her very early on, like, so what's your philosophy? Like, just, like, as a person. Oh, okay. And she was literally like, what do you even mean? Like, she was just, like, very naive, to put it frankly. Like, and mm-hmm. those are more or less her words, too. She was like, what do you mean? He's like, you don't have a, like, what's your philosophy? Like, your guiding principles. And she's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just want to win. And he's like, those are goals. Like, winning, yeah. aiming to win a race is, like, a goal, not a philosophy. Like, what motivates your actions on a daily mm-hmm. basis? And she, like, didn't have an answer. Okay. So she was very much, like, just, like, a lost soul in mm-hmm. running, kind of. Um, but I feel like it resonated just because, like, we've all been there at different points. And when you finally can determine, and it comes with age, obviously, mm-hmm. and when you can finally realize like, what your core principles and values are and your philosophy, then you understand all of a sudden, like, why you do what you do. And then you can, like, channel that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. like, I think, final thing I'll really say on this is, like, I, I find sometimes that, um, you know, you're in the middle of a workout, you're sore things aren't going great you just maybe don't have like the best mindset going into it like you're kind Mm -hmm. of just looking to check a box and move on and I always find that like I've always been fairly good at being able to like channel my energy and like kind of like counteract like negative thoughts yeah but they definitely get the better of me sometimes you know what I mean like I'm human but yeah I just kind of was reminded reading her book that like your inner monologue if that's negative, like it has a negative sentiment, like the majority of the time, mm-hmm. like I said to you before, like you're just fighting an uphill battle, like the entire time. And so yeah. like finding a way to counteract that is definitely like crucial. Yeah. I would, I think I had like 
a negative inner monologue during like a lot of cross country races in college. Um, or at least like, I, I really like struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know what really caused it. Uh, maybe it's like running on grass and it's like soft and just, you just weren't as confident, whatever you, like, it was. Feel slow and everything. Um, yeah. I feel like it's something that like, I've really been able to turn around like either consciously or subconsciously the past few years. Um, like in like road races and everything like, you know, like see a hill and like, I, th- I feel like I used to think like, Oh, like that's, gonna hurt a lot and like I'm gonna slow down going up it and everything and now just more like oh like float over the hill yeah kind of thing um yeah I think just like catching the the biggest thing is like keeping yourself in check I found like there are times I literally have to like yell at myself in the middle of a workout because like I'm on my second mile repeat of like five or six Mm -hmm. and I felt like the first degree of like suffering a little bit and I all my natural response is to be like oh I wonder if I'm even even going to be able to get six in today. Yeah. And then I immediately have to be like, nope, like, shut up. Like, mm-hmm. you've done six by mile dozens of times. Yeah, There's no reason you can't do it today. Like, shut up and move on. Yeah. So a lot of the book is like that, like, mental side of it and like, yeah, sort of like switching how you how you're thinking. Yep. And I know, like, in college, we all experienced and like Liam too, he he would totally agree with this. Finishing a race and being just disappointed in yourself like immediately, even before you cross the line. Like you know you're having like a oh, not great yeah. race and being disappointed in yourself. Like she dealt with that all the time to where she would cross the line and just be like objective failure. Like that race had zero benefit to anything, like just total wash, like nothing was gained from it, which is like totally not the way to think about it. Because at the very least... I always walked away from a race being like, it was a good workout. Mm-hmm. Like at the very least, um, even if I like choked mentally or something. So yeah, a lot of it is just her like developing these coping mechanisms that are like overall healthy, like not mm-hmm. necessarily like, you know, compounding or anything um, or compartmentalizing. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of refreshing to hear about somebody who was like 23, 24 years old learning really how to like run competitively for the first time even though they were like insanely talented and like was on a full ride at like a really strong program like somehow they just like didn't really like become a runner until after that which is rare yeah typically you have like a grant fisher who's like yeah really good in high school really good in college hits the pro scene and is like one of the best in the world like that's like the typical pipeline for like top tier talent Mm -hmm. hers her trajectory was very much different yeah yeah um that that is interesting because like yeah it's like it's like nice to know like oh yeah like someone else like figured something else out at like our age because you just like expect that like you know like once you're like a senior in high school that like kind of have things figured out yeah um and then like gradually through college you figure more things out but like once you're out like you should know what you're doing (laughs) so it's it's like nice to hear um like someone else is like "Eh, no I didn't really know what I was doing but yeah I feel like it's just like admitting that you know being like a lifelong lifelong learner and understanding that there's a lot you don't know is like Mm -hmm. a big part to like moving forward and progressing in the sport 
Yeah, I guess, like, I also just think, like, oh, like, the fast people, like, they have it, like, figured out mentally, too. Right, which definitely is not always the case. Yeah. Um, obviously, but I feel like what what it proved to me, which she makes the point of, too, is that her talent kind of enabled her to not have to figure it out. Oh, and like, okay. this is going not really on a tangent, but this is taking a risk. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's what comes to mind. That's what comes to mind for me when I think of Craig Engels. Like, <laughs> I don't know the guy. I'm sure he's still he's a competitor and like has good coping tactics during workouts and races. But like when I think of him and like his journey through running and all that, I just see a guy who like was insanely talented, was able to get really far without having to like develop the coping mechanisms that like people of lesser talent have to. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when he was up up at the upper echelons of the sport, like, he was able to perform. Like, he won U.S. titles and stuff and still yeah. probably will. Like, he's – I'm not writing him off. But, like, I feel like people like that very easily can also avoid having to learn that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can still succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you, you just have all this natural talent. You you just, like, keep winning even if you're in a bad right. space and it's like, okay, whatever. And failure is what mm-hmm. – is the mode is the uh, catalyst for like change so yeah. like if you're never really failing then like mm-hmm. why would you change what you're doing yeah yeah that that is a very good point um final thing i'll say on this book is that joe v hill always drew the point to his athletes that there's a difference between success and excellence which i really like Okay. And, like, I'm going to try to think about this more because I only read that part of it last night and haven't really reflected on it too much. But he made the point to uh, Castor that at some point, like, excellence is when you're, like, living day to day, like, with the mindset that, like, you're doing the things you need to do to become successful. It's, like, a current state. And the same thing for success. If you're using the word successful... That means that you're currently in a position to where, like, you're winning or you've won. Okay. And so, like, he always tried to get his athletes to think of, like, themselves as people who were chasing excellence. Because, like, in doing that, like, you're making every part of yourself better. Whereas, like, chasing success is, like, not really as guiding as chasing excellence. Chasing excellence is, like, you know what that means because there's, like, things that go into that. Yeah, I, I really like that because, like, sometimes, like, you don't really have, like, like, you can do everything correctly and still not have success. Right. And then, like, you're broken. Right. Like, like what do you do after that? But it, if you're chasing excellence and how it's, like, defined here, then it's, like, okay, like, you know, we do we do the things that, like, I need to do every day. And even if I don't have success, like, it's fine because, like... I, I lived I a very to. disciplined life and I, yeah. I did what I had to. Right. Right. So, like, I think that's super helpful because that's what a lot of people I feel like struggle with in college. Yeah. Like, they don't meddle at their conference meet or something and they think, like, it was just an object failure when in reality, like, it, 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 yeah, you didn't succeed, I guess, but, like, if that was your goal. But as long as you, like, put in the work to get there, like, it wasn't a loss. Like, you became right. a better person in the process and a better runner. So yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, nugget of information, too. Yeah, yeah. I really I really like that point. Cool. Um, 
I think that's all we wanted to really touch on today. Yeah. Um, good first episode back, I think. Hopefully, everyone found it entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, we'll, we'll look to be a little bit more consistent with this moving forward. But, um, yeah, we appreciate you turning tuning in if you did. Yeah, yeah. thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope none of the McCaskey athletes are they're definitely listening right <laughs> probably uh g- give us a five-star rating on spotify is, yes. is it just on spotify it is currently so yeah we could put it on apple or po- apple podcast no, no, probably we, we Actually, that. yeah just spotify yeah spotify's fine you five-star rating on spotify mm-hmm. i think if i remember correctly i swear somebody gave us a less than five star so yeah yeah what so what is i'm up with that chris is running a computer program to identify your ip address and yeah we'll be in touch shortly <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that thanks for tuning in um and we'll see you guys next time All right yeet yeet